Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. It is Monday morning, and you know what that means. It means we we bring on the legendary investor, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. I was I sort of rambled in my head. I'm like, investor, entrepreneur. I should have said both because you're a great investor and entrepreneur. So thank you for being here. All of it, yep. There you go. Hey, one of the things that you brought to the channel, I think it was six weeks ago, it actually might have been eight, was this concept of the great deleverage. Uh, first time I'd ever heard it. We've talked about it a couple of times, but uh, this morning is proof positive that you were right. You are right. Uh, so let's talk about what it is first, just in case others have missed it. Uh, and then we'll get into some questions. So what is the great deleverage? You know, so this is an unwinding of all the liquidity in the system out there. Um, you know, there's been over a trillion dollars pumped into the system since March of 2020. And if you look at all assets across the board, they're parabolic from March 2020 on. So at some point that has to unwind or what happens is, you know, the Fed's already lost credibility around the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they've made a huge policy mistake. They came out with too much, too long. They didn't pull back quick enough. They, they ignored and denied um, inflation. And what that did to investors around the world is, is, you know, basically sent the signal that the Fed is clueless. They don't know what's going on. They, you know, are lost in reality. So, what that ultimately does is it affects uh, people's confidence in the dollar. Mm. So if people lose you know, faith in the Fed, they're losing faith in the dollar. Mm. So the Fed has realized too late, you know, once again, mm -hmm. that you know, if they don't do something and do something quick, that you know, people will lose confidence and faith in the dollar. And then that creates you know, an inability of the United States to borrow money and to issue debt you know, globally. So they had a, a real dilemma that they're facing. Number one, do we tank the markets to gain credibility back and to gain strength in the dollar? Or, you know, do we keep going as we're going, keep pumping liquidity in the market and, you know, keep devaluing, you know, not the dollar in, in itself, but faith in the dollar. That's what's right. really been devalued. So that's what this is all about. And, you know, I've always said two things. Number one, you got to know the top. It's always better to know the top than the bottom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been talking about this top here for the last six months. And it's not an instant thing. So when, so when I say top, it's not going to happen overnight and then bam, it's downhill. Yeah. We've seen, you know, as the Fed has come out and raised the flag here or there and signaled, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to move. Nobody really believed they were going to do anything anytime soon because they were still denying inflation. Then they came out and said, we're going to move. But they said, we're going to move slowly. We're, mm. we're going to pull back taper first, then we're going to raise rates. Then the other day, Friday last week, they said, wait a minute, we're going to you know, reduce uh, purchases and we're going to raise rates at the same time. And we're going to raise rates more often than what we said we were going to do. So now, boom, again, mm. another policy mistake. Yeah. So they've gone from the extreme of too much too fast to the extreme of too much too fast of the <laughs> unwinding. So it's really interesting, you know, what's going on and, and, you know, we'll just have to see what the effects are, but it's, it's not so bad right now. Uh, you know, markets are only down, you know, three to 5%, you know, between the, the Dow and the S and P and then, you know, NASDAQ's down about 8% now in the last, you know, couple of weeks. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things going on right now. I think the fed has always tried to telegraph what they're doing. I think the Fed minutes that came out on Wednesday or Thursday last week, the, the one line or the one variable that Wall Street or smart money or whatever you want to call it missed or didn't catch, and maybe it's because the Fed wasn't saying it, was they're actually going to become sellers. I think everybody expected them to stop buying. 
everybody expected a rate increase around March, April. What nobody, nobody was talking about, at least that I could find, was they're actually going to become sellers. And sellers of bonds is interesting because, of course, bonds and interest rates act inversely, right? They've been net buyers. Well, you know, so Powell's always wanted to reduce the Fed's balance sheet. So from day one, that's been his goal and his mission. He hasn't been able to do it. So people knew that that was coming. You know, the second thing, so I said the first thing is no to the top. The second thing I always say is watch what they do, not what they say. All right. So if you've been watching what the Fed and the insiders have been doing prior to the flag going up the flagpole, they've been selling. They're net sellers. So and there's, you know, a lot of stories out about Fed insider trading going on (laughs) before these policy decisions. So you got to remember the the members of the central banks around the world, Powell and all the rest of them, their money's in the markets just like everybody else. You know, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to prop those markets up as long as they can until they can all get out. And when the Fed said no more, no more trading from Fed board members, guess what? That was a signal. Top, get out. Mm-hmm. So they've been letting their buddies, themselves, their buddies and members of, you know, uh, the government around the world yeah. get out before they sent that flag up the flagpole. And now it's time to destroy everybody else. So, yeah. you know, watch what they do, not what they say. That's great advice. One of the things that has been very apparent to me, like, you know, 20 years ago when I was very active in the market is the retail investor came in. I think it's been historically pointed out again, it's, it's always history, but the retail trader is always late, right? They get in, they get, they're, they're like the last 10 or 20% of the market move and then they stay too long and they get whacked, uh, which I think is going on right now. Um, if you were to kind of tell someone, again, this is complete guess, uh, how long this great deleverage could take, uh, you know, to use a baseball analogy, do you think we're in the first inning, second inning, you know, where, where, where do you think we are? Yeah, we're just getting started. You know, again, we're, we're going to need to see markets taper about 20 to 30% across the board mm. and, you know, how far and how fast that can go. You know, again, black swans, you know, barring any black swans, like we saw in March of 2020, that wasn't really a deleveraging. That was just a, you know, black swan. Event. That was shutting the economy down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last example we saw of something like this was 2008 and 9. You know, that took, you know, a substantial amount of time. It seems like it was overnight, but it wasn't. That started, you know, in uh, 2008, maybe 2007, 2008, and it lasted through midway through 2009. So, I mean, this could be a six-month process to get to the bottom of of where we need to be. And, you know, there'll be bounces along the way. You know, we got a big red day right now. That could, you know, turn around and, you know, reverse by the afternoon, you know, as we've seen with the way the markets are right now, there's a lot of liquidity out there. The difference this time is you have a lot of the insiders are selling, especially in the NASDAQ, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these tech companies that have just gone parabolic, you know, they're all selling, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of insiders, like I said, in the Fed and the government, central banks around the world, they're all selling. So you got a lot of net sellers right now that you didn't have the last couple of rounds that we've seen a little bit of deleveraging here. So, you know, it's going to take a few months and, and, you know, the Fed hasn't done anything yet. A lot's going to hinge on what Powell has to say this week when he speaks. I think tomorrow he's speaking. Yeah, Fed speak. uh, Actually, there are seven Fed speakers this week. Fed president speaking. Powell is Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we have CPI and PPI this week, right? CPI, I I think expectations are 7%. Uh, I think they come in hot, maybe 7172. I'm actually calling 72. So. Uh, and again, a lot of this is because of the base effect, which people don't understand, right? The base effect really won't start being, right now, the base effect is negative, meaning it hurts CPI. The base effect will reverse, 
I think it's April of this year. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think CPI is going to come in hot again. And it's, it's we have Powell is, he, he trapped himself. He's, he's got to do something. Yeah. And this is all good. So this isn't doom and gloom. This is, <laughs> you know, where to understand where we're headed. And, uh, you know, depending on what people's, you know, investment strategy thesis is, you know, you can play these little bumps, mm-hmm. you know, uh, peaks and valleys on the way down until we get to the bottom again. And, you know, what we do know is we know the Fed's going to step in. They're not going to let the market crash completely. They'll let it go down. You know, we've seen them let it go down 60, 70%, definitely 50%. And that's the line where they're, they're thinking about stepping in. We crossed 50% you know, deleveraging, you know, they're going to step back in again. Markets know that everybody knows that. So it's all a game now. Mm. And, uh, you know, all the way across the board. So this is an opportunity to understand where are we going? How far can it go? When do you get in? When do you get out? Crypto, you know, is, um, you know, having a down day right now across the board. And, you know, I'm kind of waiting for an entry there, waiting for things to kind of settle out short term, (laughs) you know, because that market's a little bit different too. You know, I think it still has a little bit more to go you know, before we see any kind of a long-term bottom, just like, you know, financial markets. And we've got nothing but headwind right now. So there's yeah. no reason for an instant. I mean, we've just been hitting all-time highs, you know, after each correction. But right now, the Fed put is off the table. Yep. So all-time highs are done. So it's just downhill from here until the Fed's back in the game. Once they're back in the game, boom, then you can, you know, start setting all-time highs again right now. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any recovery off of these down days, and that's your indication, if we don't get bought right back up, yeah. like has been happening, that's your indication that we're just on our way down for a while. Yeah, Powell's speech is going to be interesting tomorrow because again, the Fed meetings come out, meeting minutes, he gets roasted a lot, uh, basically saying, hey, you told us like four weeks ago, just taper in rates, and now this suddenly you're selling. The market didn't like that. I'm sure Powell's I, I, it'll be interesting to see if Powell addresses that on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's been <laughs> six weeks ago. There's no inflation. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Ah, so, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, they've lost all credibility. You know, they're losing control of the ship to a degree with what they're doing. But a lot of it is calculated because they're, you know, protecting their own assets and that, you know, their friends and things like that. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's not like corruption or conspiracy theory. It's reality. It's how mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're They got to have time to exit quietly, you know, before they can really, you know, put the hammer down. You know, the other headwind we have is rising interest rates, you know, bond yields are up again, um, you know, mortgage rates are rising. And I'm telling you, you know, and this is on video, just like I said, the great deleveraging, um, 4% your number, if we hit 4% in residential, you know, mortgage rates, you know, that's going to significantly change um, the dynamics in the real estate market, and you're going to see, you know, a big correction in the real estate market begin there. Uh, if you get up to 5%, it's, it's just over. Yeah. So I'm actually just trying to check the bonds. Yeah. Bonds. Yeah. 10 years, 1.79. I believe that's a 50 or not a 50. Oh, well, a 52 week high. Actually, it hit 1.8 earlier in the day. And then just because mm-hmm. we got yeah, 30 about- years over two. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Is it? Let's see. 30 years. Actually, I just have the 10 year on this slide. Okay. Yeah. 1.79. Yeah. This is great deal. Ever just started. It's early. Um, yeah. Protect yourself. Right. There's a clearly a uh, home builders. I know saw this, but the construction ETF took a 9% whack last week. Cause again, rising rates make housing more expensive, all of these things. So again, uh, the great yeah, deal argument of the interest, the direct correlation between interest rates and, and values, pricing of houses. And I'm telling you, they're directly correlated. And, you know, for every 1% tick 
in interest rates, you know, that's yeah. going to affect housing prices by 10%. Same thing in the commercial markets, cap rates and yeah. you know, things like that, because it's all about in the commercial markets, it's all about income. You have to have a debt service yep. ratio, you know, appropriate yep. to cover, uh, you know, to cover the debt. So as rates go up, it gets more expensive, prices go down. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see, I, I, again, I think you and I disagree on one thing. I don't think, I think 4% slows the market down, but it's transactions, not values. Yeah. If we get to 5% this year, which I can't fathom, we'd get that high that fast, but if we did, yeah, there'd be a big problem at 5%. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify what I'm talking about, about 4%, that's when you will see the market drastically change. That's when yeah. you will see the correction begin where you'll see inventory levels rise, days on markets yeah, go up. We agree. And, yeah. and, and you will see prices start to correct at that point, which they already are in markets mm-hmm. around the world. Prices are already correcting now at 3%, yeah. you know, because rates were sub 3%. We're getting over they 3 were. now. Yeah. Prices are already adjusting in a lot of areas. Buyers, buyers are pushing back. A lot of that is fatigue. You know, but you start getting into the you know mid to upper threes, you'll see prices change. Okay, just at that alone, and then once you get over four, that's where it significantly changes behavior. Kind of like what we're seeing now with inflation. Inflation yeah. is at a point to where it's changing consumer behavior now. No, it totally is, and that's why I follow the consumer for, uh, for almost thirty years. If you can figure out what the consumer is thinking, you really can you know, play the chessboard. So yeah, that's why I've been following the consumer for, for so long. So Greg, this is always fun. Thank you for bringing us to great deleverage six weeks ago, maybe eight weeks ago. We're going to talk about it because it's going to be happening for quite a while now. How can people find you? Yeah. Greg All my info's there. YouTube channel podcast. Go check it out. Thanks buddy.